You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Jonathan. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Let's just pray before we jump into the Word today. Jesus, we love you so much. And Lord, we just put our, our focus, our attention fully on you. We thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, your presence is everything to us. Lord, we desire you above all else, Lord. We, we declare that there is none like you. Nothing compares to you. Lord, teach us today. Lord, open our ears and our hearts to receive your word today. Make us more like you. God, stir a hunger in our hearts, Lord, for more of you. God, and make us into true worshipers that worship you in spirit and in truth. We honor you in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before I forget, if anyone was not able to grab communion on your way in, uh, we have them in a bucket on a table right there by those doors coming into the sanctuary. So if you would like to take communion with us at the end of our time together, we would love to do that together. And so if you need that, go for it. All right. Uh, this morning, I just you know, felt in my heart to uh, speak to you on the subject of worship today. And uh, just in time of prayer and even discussing with Pastor Nick, the campus pastor here, just really sensing this need of teaching on this very foundational aspect and truth of who we are as a promised church, but more so than that, who God wants us to be. And so today, if you want a title, uh, the, the title is True Worshippers, True Worshippers, and this may be review for many of you, but we, we, we understand the need to really, in a sense, go deeper into discussing and teaching in this truth of worship. It's not just something that we do on a Sunday morning with music. You may be, you may be in part of this church uh, for a long time. Maybe you were with us in Woodland before we opened this campus. Maybe you've been following the Lord a long time. Maybe you're brand new. And you're in this place, and you kind of go, this is different. This is not what I'm used to. These people are a little weird. They worship with raising their hands. They shout. They dance. The the, the music is kind of loud. What is going on? I don't understand. And we, our heart is in building foundation here in this campus and building culture that we all come together as one with a hunger and a heartbeat for his presence to worship him with all that we have. Because simply, this is what Jesus is looking for. This is what he wants, is true worshipers. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verse 23. In this passage, in this story, Jesus is speaking with a woman at a well in Samaria. They're having a dialogue back and forth with one another. And the the subject of worship comes up. And and she's asking Jesus, in a sense, or telling Jesus that, you know, the Samaritans got to worship in this one place. And the Jews, they worship in Jerusalem. And the subject of worship is being discussed. And here Jesus kind of brings everything together and really speaks clearly of what God is after. He says in John 4, 23, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. 
For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. For God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Here was the first moment that Jesus declared to any human being on the earth that he is the Christ, the Messiah. And in this moment, he also showed us and spoke very clearly of the heart of God and what God is after and what God is looking for. You see, we are called to, as followers of Jesus, to be, in a sense, seeking after God. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of the things will be added unto us. He, tells, he says he's looking for those that would seek after him. But here God declares that he is actually seeking after worshipers. God is seeking after those that would worship him in spirit and in truth. True worshipers is what the Father wants. This is, this is a really amazing statement and really amazing uh, thought. And I felt this morning, you know, in prayer before coming here today, that even though what I would be sharing today might be very re- much review for many of you, it is prophetic for today and for this region, for this city. That God is wanting a purity to arise in worship from this city, from this region. He is, he is coming back for a pure and spotless bride that only wants him. And he is looking for true worshipers that will worship the Lord in purity and desiring nothing but him. And I love today, even, you know, we had a more of a simple worship band uh, this morning. And even in that, there was just a sweetness of the presence of the Lord today. There was just a simplicity in our worship before him. And God isn't after all the big show, all the fancy sounds and lights and all these different things. Though in our hearts as pastors and leaders, we believe that the house of the Lord should be a house of excellence. And just as Solomon's temple was arrayed with fine gold, that the house of the Lord should, in a sense, be a display of the, the, the richness and vastness and pleasure of God. At the same time, God isn't into things. He's after people who will worship him with a pure heart. He is after people who will worship him with all that they have. We, we say here at the Promise Church that we exist to see lives transformed, cities saved, and nations won by being people of his presence. And to be a people of his presence, must be, must, there must be an understanding of worship in that. To be people of his presence, we must be worshipers. For being worshipers and being in worship actually is a place of connection with God in his presence, unlike anything else that we could do on this earth. That there is, uh, there is a purpose on our lives. I'll, I'll get to this in a couple weeks as I continue to talk about worship. But we, you and I, we were created to worship God. And we, we must have an understanding of worship and being true worshipers is a huge piece of being a people where God wants to dwell and he wants to stay and not just visit. And we say these things, you know, we don't want a visitation from God. We want a habitation. We want to be a people that God can live with and stay with. We want to be a people of his presence. Well, being true worshipers is a huge aspect, huge piece to that. And we, we say things, and, and these are really true, and these are really helpful to understand that we are in his presence. He is not in our presence. It's important to understand the priority here. 
We're in his presence. That means this is his house. And, and we, we've preached on this before that this is his house built on him, built by him, about him, and for him, unto him. And, and therefore, he's not the honored guest. And a lot of times, and we've said this many times over the years, and a lot of churches say this, God, you're welcome here. God, you're welcome in this place. Well, if it's his house, then he can't be the honored guest. And if he, it's his house, then he's actually in charge. And therefore, it must look the way he wants it to look. It must sound the way he wants it to sound. Therefore, he must have permission to do whatever he wants to do. And true worshipers are ones that will allow him to be that way in their midst. That come to him under him, recognizing they're in his presence. That he isn't just here to do whatever we want for ourselves. There's a big consumerism problem in the American church. People go to church to consume. They go to church to be fed. They go to church to, to in a sense, okay, I checked the box of my religious obligation to go to church. I put the money in the bucket. I, I served in some area of the church. And now, God, because I'm a good Christian, I need you to do these things for me. This is consumerism. I, you know, consumerism at its core is I give money, I receive something in, in exchange. Consuming. When we actually are those who follow Jesus and we go to the house of the Lord, it is not to consume, it is to adore. It is not to consume, to manipulate God into doing something for us. It is simply to be with him. That we recognize that when we gather as a body, as a family of Christ, there is a power and a manifestation of his presence that is unlike anything else that we could have by ourselves. And so therefore, we want to be together corporately, gathered around him in his presence to experience him, to then take what that, encounter, that, that encounter that we have, to take it home with us, to experience him daily in our own homes, in our own lives individually, and take those encounters corporately and individually out with us into our world to see the world transformed through our lives. This is what God looks for and what he is wanting in us. And worship, and the scripture shows us clearly that worship is how we enter into the presence of God. It's how we enter into his presence. Psalms 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So we, we want to be in his presence we, we must be willing to actually come before him the way he wants us to come before him. Coming in thanksgiving, coming in praise. Thanksgiving is, again, not something that we do once a year when we have this great turkey dinner and we remember, we remember certain things that God has blessed us with. No, thanksgiving should be a posture and attitude of our hearts every day of the week where at least at simple, at the very minimum, we recognize how he has saved us and we remember that and we thank him for it. And everything else that he's done in our lives, uh, we continue to give him praise and thanks. That puts the attention off of us and onto him. You see, when in the Old Testament, the people knew when the presence of God came. It was clear. It was evident. God would come, and there would be a cloud. God would come, there would be fire. God would come, and there would be things that would take place that were, were evidence that God was there. It's still true today. It's still true today that when God shows up, it should be real, it should be evident, it should be tangible. That you, maybe even this morning, and, and felt something in your body 
that was evident, that was real, that was tangible. That's the presence of God. When God shows up, it should be evident. People should be getting saved. People will be getting healed. People will be getting delivered and set free. There will be peace. There will be joy. There will be love. There will be unity. Marriages will be healed. Relationships will be restored. People will, will be set free from wrong mindsets and wrong thinking simply because they were in the presence of God. See, worship is not about you. This is, again, addressing that consumerism thought. The worship is not about us. Worship is not about what we can get from it. You know, sometimes people will go into a worship service and their hands will be, be down. Well, I just don't really feel this song. I just don't really like that song. That's just not my, not my style or, or my song. I didn't realize that we worshiped a song. I thought we worshiped Jesus. So yes, songs are great tools, and, and worship leaders do their best to hear from the Lord to, to have songs that will help usher us into the presence of God. But at the end of the day, it's not about the song. It's about Him. And it's not about me and what I get from the song or what, how the song speaks to me. It's about the Lord, and I'm made for and destined and born for a, a ve- being a vessel of worship unto Him. And so therefore, I will lift my, my voice and my worship and my praise to Him, no matter what song. The, the worship team picked. Because it's not about me, it's about him. It's for him. It's not even for us. <laughs> See, worship isn't even the precursor to the main event of the sermon. It's not even like this warm-up to, to get you ready to hear from the word of God. Worship is not the precursor. His presence, him, he's the main event. I don't know how many times I've heard it in, in church over my life, especially from guys. I don't know what it is about guys in our, our religious, uh, rigid uh, mindsets, very logical thinking boxes that we have as times as guys. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just not really into worship. I I'm, I'm just can't wait for the message. Just waiting for that sermon. When is this song and dance over with? And the whole time missing this incredible moment in the presence of God. Why do we actually worship before the preaching of the word? It's actually to prepare a heart to receive his word. But it's not because the word all of a sudden trumps everything else. Again, you cannot separate the presence of God from the person of God. The person of God, when we worship and his presence is here, that means he's in the room. And the person of God, Jesus, is the word made flesh. He is the word. And so his presence and his word are meant to be held in equal honor and equal value. You can, I know a lot of people who got a lot of scripture and don't have any presence. And I also know people who want all kinds of butterflies and goosebumps in the presence and never read their Bibles. Neither one are okay. So I just want to share some more thoughts with you about worship, and I have three main points to go over with you uh, in this topic of worship, in a sense declaring what worship is, all right? Number one is worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. It is not just about music and songs and, and, and uh, in a sense, the expression of worship that you often see within a church service. It is to be a lifestyle that we are to live all day long in every area of our lives. 
Worship is a lifestyle. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, a well-known passage. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What is your true and proper worship? It is to lay down your life to the Lord. It is to surrender everything to him, to allow him to have full rule and reign in your life. That is your true worship. It is not just to lift your hands in church. It is not just to sing songs or clap and shout and dance. It is every part of your life is to be an offering of worship unto him. It's important anytime you read a passage of scripture or verse and the word therefore is in it to go back and look at why it's there. All right? Romans 11, right before Romans 12.1, when the Bible was originally written, there was no chapter numbers and verse numbers, just to let you know. It all flowed together. All right, so Romans 11, right before this verse in Romans 12.1, we just read, says this in verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Therefore, in light of this, in light of how good and how big and how amazing your God is, brothers and sisters, I urge you in view of God's incredible mercy that he would save you and die for you and want you and have relationship with you. Offer your entire life as a living sacrifice to him. This is your true and proper worship. This is what God is looking for. So again, we don't want to just clap our hands and sing and lift our hands at church and then live like hell at home. God wants everything. He wants your marriage. He wants your parenting. He wants your finances. He wants your workplace. He, he wants how, how you live your life. And when you, he wants your time. He wants your television set. He wants your phone. He wants everything of your life. But he also wants your worship. He wants your song. He wants your clap. He wants the lifting of your hands. He wants your dance. He wants your shout. He wants it all. And a, a lot of times people will say, oh yeah, you know, worship is a, is a lifestyle. So I don't really need to express my, myself to the Lord. It's not really my personality. Well, I want to show you some scripture that would uh, disagree with that. All right? So worship is also love expressed. Point number two. Worship is love expressed. When you truly love someone or love something, it will be expressed. It will be passionate and it will be evident. There will be evidence to show that you love someone or something. At least there should be. We can easily say I love you to someone and not actually do anything with that or about that. We've all seen this, either you've experienced it yourself or we've, you've seen it in others. You know when someone is in love with someone. They have lost their mind. And they will do almost anything for that person. Ridiculous things that no one would ever normally do for another human being. When a parent has a child and they're in love with that baby, they will do things for that baby that are inhumane. Changing diapers, for example, cleaning up vomit all the time, 
But yet there's such an overwhelming sense of love for this baby that you almost don't even remember or realize that you've gotten five hours of sleep in the last two days and that your entire house smells like puke and you forgot to take out the trash in the kitchen and so the kitchen smells like a dirty diaper and you just forget these things because you're in love with this baby. This is truth. This is truth. And, and God is no different. He wants our love to be expressed to him in our worship, in our lifestyle, but in our worship unto him. I want to give you a scripture here, Psalms 95. Psalms 95 is a great passage uh, de- describing what worship looks like, that it's expressive. Verse 1, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. Verse 6, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Notice the language in this passage that we just read, the descriptive words of what worship looks like. Come, come to the Lord. You need to come to the Lord daily in worship. I love to start my day in worship unto the Lord. There's no better way to start your day than giving the Lord a day and saying, Lord, I worship you today. Come to him daily. We want you to encounter God when you're here, when we gather corporately, but you need to have a daily encounter with God. Daily being in his presence, daily worshiping him. It says come, it says sing, it says shout. There's there's descriptions about music in this passage. It says bow down, kneel. You can see here that worship is expressive. There's an evidence of worship in our expression of our bodies. And this is what God is telling us our worship should look like. What, what do you, you know, when you're in love with someone then you're something in, or someone and you're passionate, again, there's a fruit, there's an evidence. Parents, what do your kids know that you are passionate about? What do they know that you're passionate about? Guys, what, what do your kids know that you're passionate about? Do they know that you're passionate about your fishing boat and your fishing rod? Do they know that you're passionate about your hunting? Do they, do they know that you're passionate about your sports teams? Do they know that you're passionate about your career and making money? What do they know that you're passionate about? Moms, do your kids know that you're passionate about your Facebook and your Instagram? Do they know that you're passionate about your smartphone? Do they know that you're passionate about your iPad and your TV shows? What do they know that you're passionate about? Your career? I mean, I'm going to pick on the guys a little bit more, but so many times during church, guys are like, Arms folded, down, just kind of like, okay, how much longer do we got here? Seahawks play at whatever time. And then, yeah, good, good answer after church is over. And you can record it, by the way. And then, you know, then all of a sudden you're sitting on your couch, right? You're sitting on your couch. And that favorite player, that basketball player, hits the game-winning shot, that favorite team has the game-winning touchdown, your, your defense makes a, a stop at the goal line, and the other team doesn't score, and you win the game, and you're like, out of your seat, yeah, man, whoa, that's my boy, that's my team, whoa, you're high-fiving your kids, and you're going around the kitchen, and you're, you know, you're just like, whoa, yeah, that was awesome, but in church, you're just like, 
Oh, wait, wait, where was I? There's something wrong with that picture. There's something wrong. I don't want anyone else but me and my wife to show my daughters how passion, passionate worship looks like, how to worship God. That I want them to know that I am passionate about my God, that there is an expression of my life that is corporate, that is expressed in a gathering like this, and then it is private as well. My kids know that if they wake up before 7 o'clock, dad is in his office with Jesus. I'm praying, I'm worshiping, I'm reading my Bible. They know where I am. There must be an expression of love that takes place in our worship. We, if we love Jesus, which is actually all that he wants, he says the first and greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with everything. With everything. Your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Everything. That's what he wants. And if we love him and we say that we love him, there must be an expression that comes from our lives to show it. And I'm telling you one of the most simple ways, one of the beginning ways to to allow for that expression to manifest in your life and through your life is simply in worship, where you will use your body as an instrument of worship unto him and expressing your love for him. Again, yes, it is not just about a Sunday service worship time. It is about your entire life and your lifestyle. But there should be both happening. And I would encourage you that as you express publicly and privately an expression of love unto the Lord in your worship, oftentimes some of those areas of private weakness and struggle will begin to fall in line as you express your love to the Lord. I want to read a passage of scripture for you just quickly in Revelation chapter 5. Revelation 5, we get this window, this, this picture into what heaven looks like. What is going on behind the veil in heaven? In Revelation 5, verse 6, it says, Then I saw a lamb, that's Jesus, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which is the sevenfold spirit of God. You don't have to get all weird about it. It tells you what it is right there, okay? (laughs) Sent out into all the earth. He went uh, and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. That's the father. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth." Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000, which means so many I cannot count. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is, with it, that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. This is a window. This is a veil being 
pulled back for us to look into what the worship in heaven looks like. And as you can see here, worship in heaven is expressive. It's loud. People are bowing down. People are shouting. Why do we do the worship the way that we do here at the Promise Church? We want to get you ready for heaven. We don't want you to get there and go, wow, this is crazy. I was not prepared for this. No, we want you to get there and go, it's just like the Promise Church. Yeah! You notice in this passage, there's this song in heaven going up to the Lamb and to the one who sits on the throne, to the Father. When we worship, we are not doing our own little song and dance over here and just hoping that God will show up and we have a good time together. No, you, you and I, when we worship the Lord, we are joining in with the song of heaven. We are joining in with the worship service that has been going on for all of eternity because there's only one worthy of all that worship, and it's Jesus. And so when we worship the Lord, we are actually doing something heavenly. And when we worship the Lord, joining in with that song of heaven, there is, in a sense, like this, this I don't portal sounds really spiritually weird, but I don't know another word. But there is this portal, in a sense, that takes place where heaven and earth intertwine and intersect and come together. And we should actually experience what heaven feels like, in a way, when we worship the Lord with everything that we have. That when that takes place, bodies should be healed. People will encounter God and repent and give up their sin. People's lives will be forever changed and they'll, they'll, their anxiety and their fear and their depression goes and peace and joy come. This is what should happen when heaven and earth meet through worship. When we join in with that song of heaven. Again, it's not just something for us to do to fill up time in a service. It is so huge and so amazing and so vital. You also see in this passage in Revelation 5, there is a tremendous unity. Here you have a representation of every tribe, nation, and tongue gathered together around the throne, joined with all of the heavenly beings and creatures, and they are worshiping God with everything that they have. There's a lot of emphasis right now in our, our society, in, the, in this nation, about unity, that we must be unified. We must, be uni- we must have unity, essentially trying to have unity around unity. You cannot have unity around unity. Which, what they're basically wanting us to do is for us all to agree, that we all have to agree on the same thing for us to be unified. This is the beautiful thing about God, is there can be tremendous unity with diversity. There can be tremendous unity. Every nation, tribe, and tongue, very diverse, all unified around what? The throne of God, the presence of God. Unity happens when people that are different gather around his presence. Not conformity, unity. In fact, how do we actually not conform but be transformed how do we actually have unity is in our surrender in our worship as i read in romans chapter 12 verse 1 true worship is offering our lives as a living sacrifice the next next verse says do not be conformed any longer but be transformed by the renewing of your mind there is a transformation that takes place in a lifestyle of worship. I'm also reminded of Psalms 133 that talks about unity and where there is unity, there is the oil that flows over the priests 
That oil represents the anointing. That oil represents the Holy Spirit. And when that takes place, there is a commanded blessing. There is eternal life, life forevermore in a place of unity around one person, around one thing, Jesus and his presence. This is what God is looking for in his church, to a unified church around him. Point number three, last point, is worship is transformational. Worship is transformational. It's a very long word. I didn't know how else to simplify it. But worship transforms you. And as I just even kind of hinted at it with Romans 12, I want to read this passage. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Simply saying, as you behold the glory of the Lord, as you behold Jesus and his presence in adoration and worship, you become more like him. You are transformed into his image and likeness. You go from glory to glory in a place of beholding him in worship. We all want to do God's will, right? All of us have a heart to want to do God's will. The Bible says in John 6.40 that the Father's will is for everyone to look to the Son and believe. For everyone to behold the Son. As you behold the Lamb, as you put your focus and your worship on Jesus, He transforms you. Not to a better version of yourself. Not to the best you you can be in our lives. is conforming us not in the world, of course, but conforming us into his son's image. That we are like Jesus. We are transformed to be more like Christ as we worship him. My heart for us as a church is to grab a hold of these truths here and to really recognize the power and the significance of our worship before the Lord. That this is what he's looking for. I've shared on this here already a couple times, but he's looking for true worshipers, ones like a Mary of Bethany, who sit at his feet and are captivated by him and are listening to every word that he says and are not distracted or caught up with the things going on. Martha Mary's sister invited Jesus into her home. And it says that she was worried and anxious or worried and upset about many things, trying to do preparations and things and hosting Jesus. And it's so simple or it's so easy for churches to want God to come into their house and are so busy doing so many things for God that they forget to do what God, what Jesus is really wanting. When Jesus said about Mary, So only one thing is needed. Only one thing is required. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Mary chose the one thing that Jesus was looking for, was to someone to sit at his feet and to worship him and listen to him and adore him. Jesus was, I'm sure, thankful to be in that home. And whatever Martha was going to prepare, he would have been thankful for it. But what he was really wanting, what he was really after, the one thing that Mary chose, the one thing that Jesus is seeking, true worshipers, Mary demonstrated and did right there in that moment. And we have that same invitation. We have that same opportunity every day, every day we wake up to go and to sit at his feet, to worship him, to give him our love, to give him our attention, to give him our lives and every part of us in that place of surrender. Or 
we can simply want to check religious boxes and be busy with our day and go through our life forgetting that he's even there. And we come to church and we just are, you know, kind of we're happy to be there, but not engaging with all that is available to join with the host of heaven, to worship the Lord expressively and showing our love and our worship before him. We have this opportunity, church, every single day. Would you stand with me? Before we go into a time of communion, I just, I always want to give opportunity for this. If there's anyone here today and you, you're here, there's no accident that you're here. We don't believe in any sense of coincidence. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with him where you've given him your life, you have Taking that step of true surrender where you say, I surrender everything to you, Jesus. You can have all of my life, and I no longer want to lead my own life. I want to follow you. If you're here today and you've not made that step, you've not made that choice, and you have not given Jesus your life, we want to just pray with you and invite you into this opportunity. Jesus is here today. His arms are always open wide. He says, come to me. He always wants us to come to him. Those of us who are weary and heavy laden and weighed down by sin and burdens we weren't meant to carry, he invites us to come to him. And he promises us rest for our souls. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, maybe you've been to church before, maybe you've been to church many times, but you don't actually know Jesus deeply and personally. Maybe you've never been to church. This is the first time you're hearing about something like this. Jesus is here for you today. If you're here and that's you, I just invite you to raise your hand. We would just like to pray with you. Is there anybody here you want to give your life to Jesus? It's the best decision you can ever make. You'll never regret it. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody here where you, you know that though you have prayed a prayer to receive Jesus before, he's not Lord of your life. And you have made choices in your life where you've essentially turned and walked away from him. Today, he's here to to invite you back into that full embrace and connection with him, that face-to-face walk with him. If you're here today and you want to give your life back to Jesus, maybe it's not the first time, but you want to give your life back to him, I just invite you to raise your hand. We want to pray with you. Is there anybody here? Raise it high so I can see church just right now in this time and hearing this truth that we've that I've shared with you and as we before we go into communion I just want you to put your attention on Jesus just put your focus on him begin to put your heart towards him and begin in your own heart just to worship him and begin to thank him for what he's done worship should come from a place of remembrance of the cross Jesus said Do this in remembrance of me. Do this taking this bread and this wine or this juice in remembrance of my sacrifice, in remembrance of my body and my shed blood, of what I've done for you. Worship comes from that place of remembrance of the cross. There should be great thanksgiving that comes from it. So just right now, prepare your hearts. Just turn your hearts to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
can take your bread. Jesus said about himself that he is the bread of life, that whoever comes to him will never go hungry, and whoever believes in him will never be thirsty. See, Jesus, and only Jesus, will satisfy you. And when you have encountered and experienced that satisfying touch from Jesus, you will want to be a true worshiper that worships Jesus with everything that you have, with your entire life, and in an expressive way of gratitude and thanksgiving unto him. I was reminded of this verse in Psalms this morning. In Psalms 81, God says to the people of Israel, Hear hear me, my people, and I will warn you. If you would only listen to me, Israel, you shall have no foreign God among you. You shall not worship any God other than me. Here you can see, again, it's about worship. God wants our worship. Verse 10, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt for us. And the new covenant, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of your sin, out of the world. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. And in verse 16 it says, that he would feed us with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. Jesus is the finest of wheat. He's the bread of life. Jesus, I ask right now that you, your presence would be in this moment in such a real and powerful and tangible way. Lord, that you would satisfy every person with yourself. Nothing compares to you, Jesus. Let a cry of worship, let a cry of singleness of heart, let a cry of simplicity rise up inside of us because, Lord, only you satisfy us. Lord Jesus, we long for you, O oh God. We thank you for your body, that you became sin for us. Lord Jesus, that you are beaten, that you are bruised, that you are mocked, you are rejected. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you did it for us, taking our shame, taking our place. And Lord, now, because of your resurrection, Lord, you give us abundant life, real life, resurrection life in you, Jesus. Though our bodies may one day die, we will never die because of your victory. So God, we take this bread in remembrance of you, and we give you all glory and honor and praise and worship. You may take this bread. Bible says that he was bruised for our iniquities and he was beaten for our sake and that by his wounds we are healed the Bible says in first Peter that we weren't redeemed by corruptible things things of this natural world we weren't bought and paid for by silver or gold but we were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus a blood without stain or blemish he was the perfect Lamb of God. He was tempted in every way, yet without sin. 
Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your blood that washes us as clean. Lord Jesus, your blood has made us whiter than snow. We thank you for your blood that allows us to come into the most holy place before your throne of grace. God, because of your blood that was shed. God, you paid the price to remove every hindrance, every separation. The veil has been torn. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your blood that is a covering for us, that protects us. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over this this church family here. Lord, every person here, every family represented, every child that's not even that is not here but is represented by this family every parent every sibling lord jesus i plead the blood of jesus over every family here lord your health your wholeness your life your peace your freedom i just even heard the lord say restoration and i know in this time of the holidays and thanksgiving coming there's sometimes a lot of stress and a lot of tension in the homes with gathering as families and there's history and there's wounds and there's there's issues and there's things that you know you just don't want to talk about i just see the lord wanting to restore relationships god bringing forgiveness god bringing grace god extending love through us in our homes with our families and god doing a work that we thought was not possible in restoring relationships if that's you, I would just say, I receive that. I receive that. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today and you need healing in your body, you need Jesus to come and bring healing. There's pain in your body. You have a diagnosis. You have some kind of medical condition. You, you need healing in your mind. You battle anxiety and fear and depression and worry. As Pastor Jeffrey even called out, there's a sleeping disorder. You, you have night tears. You have these different things that you're battling. Jesus, he paid the price in his body and the shedding of his blood to pay for that so that you no longer have to struggle with that. You don't have to deal with that. So right now, if that's you and you need a healing in your life, raise your hand and say, I receive my healing right now in Jesus' name. Jesus, you are victorious. You conquered sin. You conquered sickness. You conquered death. You conquered the grave. Lord, you are victorious. We declare your victory right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for your presence here. Lord, you are healing. You are life. You are freedom. Lord, we thank you for your wholeness. And by your stripes, we are made whole. So right now, Lord, in this place of remembrance of your sacrifice, I ask for the reality of what you paid for to manifest in these people here today. God, for wholeness of mind, for wholeness of body, in Jesus' name, we thank you, O Lord. We thank you, O God. We take this cup in remembrance of the new covenant of your grace, in remembrance of what you paid for, and we give you thanks and praise and worship in Jesus' name. You may partake of the cup. Now, church, for the time that we have left here, we're going to go into a time of worship. And not just because we preached on worship today, but simply because of who he is, simply because of who Jesus is, simply because of what he's done. There should be an expression of love that stirs in our hearts. There should be an expression of passion that rises up in us, a hunger, a desire for the Lord that rises up in us 
that cannot be contained, that cannot be held back, where we express our life, our love to Him through our bodies, with our lives. And I invite you, church, to come to the front. I invite you to come to this, this altar right now in a place of expression, in a place of passion, in a place of love, to say, Jesus, I worship you with all that I am. I hold nothing back from you. You have my song, you have my body, and you have my whole life. I surrender everything to you, and I want you. I want to be one that you're looking for, a true worshiper that worships worships you in spirit and in truth. Jesus, come here, Lord. We desire you above all else. Lord, we desire for you to be pleased, for you to be honored, for you to be glorified in our midst. Oh, God, that you would be pleased in our worship, that impurity would arise in our worship, oh, God. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. Come on, church. Let's worship him. I want to I want we want to call you up this morning I want to call you up we want to call you up this morning to go beyond your comfort zone to go beyond your norm to go beyond what you're used to to go beyond personality it's not about that it's about him so if you're here today and this is what you're used to go here if this is what you're used to Go here. 
If, if this is what you're used to, go here, go crazy. There's a lot of room. This, this room isn't a huge big room, but there's enough room for you to express yourself physically and in a way of worship that you don't have to hold yourself back. One of the best stories of worship in all of the Bible is King David. As the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Presence of God is coming back into the city, there's worship, there's sacrifice, there's offerings presented, and David does not care what anyone else thinks about him. He worships God extravagantly. He says, I will become more indignified than this. His own wife ridiculed him. His own wife thought he had lost his mind and had dishonored himself and his family and as the king. And David was like, no, this is actually what honors the Lord, to worship him with everything that I have. And I will not let your opinion, I will not let anyone else's opinion, well, I won't care what other people think, I'm gonna worship my God in a manner that he is worthy of. And you know what happened to his wife? She was barren for the rest of her life. She was unfruitful. Nothing fruitful came from her life because that spirit of religion held, tried to hold back a passionate true worshiper in King David. Don't let a spirit of religion hold you back. Don't let insecurity, don't let fear, don't let the opinions of others, what will they think if they see me worshiping this way? Who cares? Who cares? I invite you to worship Jesus passionately with all that you have because as you see him for who he really is you won't want to hold anything back from him you will want to worship him with all that you have and i'm telling you there's a day coming and the day is actually here where we will have to make a stand and we will have to look weird we will have to be uncomfortable to make a stand for god and for righteousness outside of the church and if we have a hard time making a display of expression of love for the lord in the church it will be almost impossible to do it outside of this place so i invite you to open up your heart to him don't hold anything back for him from him and worship him as this as the team leads us worship him with all that you have we worship you jesus we won't hold back our praise from you lord we honor you lord we'll become more undignified for your honor for your glory there's none like you jesus we worship you lord we lift our praise to you jesus there's none like you lord
Yes, I 